We promised it last time, and now I'm delivering it. It's Jay's Japan Diaries. This is Jay here. This episode's going to be a bit of a break from the norm and will be a little bit similar to the 10 tracks which rocked my gaming world episode, as it's all about my recent vacation to Japan. You'll remember that in the most recent episodes, both some Q's and some A's and Hot Open Cold Close, we mentioned that I'd be recording some bits whilst I was away. Well, I did just that. I was actually in Japan for 10 days and recorded on about 7 of those including two recordings that I took whilst I was at Incheon International Airport. Uh, That's in Seoul, Korea, by the way. I ended up recording an hour of content, but I've stripped it down a lot, uh, mainly because I left my recording equipment on whilst we were on Oshima, but more about that in a moment. But the majority of what I wanted to cover is in this edited episode. Anyway, let's start at the very beginning. Day Zero, Incheon International Airport, Seoul. This was recorded on my phone, because my recording equipment wouldn't go in my carry-on luggage. As such, it's a little rough. Jay's travel log day zero. This is uh, Seoul International Airport, also known as Incheon. Um, so that's good. We're uh, an hour away from flying through to Fukuoka, and we uh, well, we've been here for about two hours already. I've been up since yesterday. <laughs> it's uh, local time here is something like five o'clock in the afternoon. Time back home is half past nine. Incheon Airport is amazing. So where Heathrow Airport is super hustly bustly, really, really busy, really loud. People sort of shoving their way through to get some places. There's more people here, but it's quieter. I mean, I'm walking through one of the busiest parts right now. As you can hear, it's super quiet. I'll do another one of these when we get to Fukuoka. And the plan is get to Fukuoka and try and find the uh, Washington Hotel. So I'm going to try and remember, I suppose. Kyanal City no Washington Hotel or Madeshimas. Essentially, can you take me to the Washington Hotel in Canal City, please? And uh, do some Googling for Canal City, will it? Because Canal City is amazing. I'm going to keep saying Canal City. Let's see if I can get some recordings done there as well, because there's a massive arcade uh, two, three floors, and it is crazy. You will not be able to hear me if I do that, but I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, yeah, cool. Just about to go meet the robot. I'll post some pictures of this because this is amazing. We'd set off from Heathrow Airport, London, the day before and had a three-hour-long holdover in Seoul. We then got a one-hour-long flight over to Fukuoka, which was the first stop on our tour. We spent a day in Fukuoka before travelling to Harada, which is where the day one recording comes in. Jay's Japan Diaries day one. We're, uh, we're in Fukuoka and it's brilliant here, I love it. It's Canal City where I am right now. It's a gigantic statue of uh, Godzilla, which I'll post a photograph of as long as I get the chance to take a picture of it. As you can hear, there's loads of background music. Um, absolutely loving Canal City. So it's called Canal City. Because there is a, a canal that runs through it. Imagine a six-floor sto- uh, shopping centre um, with a canal in the middle. I'll post loads of pictures, but there you go. Um, we landed yesterday in Fukuoka. We transferred in 
had to check whether that was recording then. So we transferred in from Seoul, Korea yesterday, landed about 8 p.m. Uh, got back to the hotel by about... Uh, no, we landed about 7 p.m. local time, um, which for context is about 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the afternoon UK time. And um, yeah, so transferring over to the, uh, the hotel took a while. Got to get through security and stuff. By the time we got through security, back to the hotel and back outside to get something to eat, it was about 10 p.m. The place we usually go to on a first night in Japan, in Fukuoka, we managed to sort of sweet talk our way into getting served because it was after closing time. But they let us in. So we're going to uh, we're going to a school in Harada in a few days. Need to remember to come back to get some slippers because I don't know whether the ones that I've got will be all right because they're uh, they came free from the hotel. There is a massive uh, amusement arcade with loads of video games there. See if I can get some photographs. If I can't, we're back here in uh, next week anyway, so we'll be able to come back. One really cool thing, I don't know whether they'll have the uh, photos when we're uh, signs up when we come back, is that they're um, advertising a live Space Invaders event, where what they do is they play loads of music and you uh, clap along to it and it makes the Space Invaders go away. So that's pretty cool. So that's day one of JH Japan Diaries, or whatever I'm going to call it. So we'll catch you guys down the line. As you could hear from the background of the recording, the folks who run Canal City like to play music in the shopping centre, as do most shopping centres, I guess. But what's great about Canal City specifically is that they have a water feature which is synced up with the music. Anyway, I loved the music that much that I wanted to record some of it whilst walking around the shopping centre on that first day. So here are two of the best snippets of that audio. On day two, we travelled from Fukuoka over to Harada. We did this in a minibus that we'd rented because there were that many of us in the group. It was a wonderful journey, there, even though the GPS device they gave us was a little weird. Once we'd arrived in Harada and checked into our hotel, we hopped onto the ferry over to Oshima, which literally means Big Island. And I decided that I wanted to record something on the ferry. The audio isn't brilliant because the engines were that loud and the wind was blowing quite fiercely. But I've done what I can, so here's day two. Chase the Pandora's day two. I've no idea whether you can hear this because I'm trying to break the wind with my back. I'm trying to break the wind with my back. I'm trying to break the wind with my back. I'm trying to break the wind with my back. I'm trying to break the wind with my back. I'm trying to break the wind with my back. I'm trying to break the wind with my back. UK Dutch Japan history. Definitely check it out. Okay. Uh, William Adams, wonderful castle there. Hotels are awesome. It's a vending machine where you can get uh, chicken burger and chips as well, which is just mad. So there you go. Anyway, that's enough. Let's get to the island. See you later, folks. For such a small island, there was a lot to do. We ended up visiting a junior high school where a friend used to work, visited a number of shrines around the island, took in lunch with some of the folks who live on the island, and even got special permission to enter a temple. Like, they opened the temple specifically for us, so that we could have a look around in it. 
Oshima is an incredibly important island for me and the folks that I went to Japan with. I won't say why, because it's a little personal, but it's a lovely island, and if you ever do visit Harado, it's totally worth the 40-minute ferry ride over to Oshima. Some of the buildings there were built in the 1700s, and the temple there is absolutely gorgeous. In this next clip, we're taught how to call on the Shinto gods at a shrine in Oshima. You'll hear a fair bit of rustling towards the end, which is the sound of the mic rubbing against my shirt as I bow for the gods. Shinto shrines are always like say like associated with new life, so and purifying is very important in Shinto. So that's why they have the the few walls. Yeah, it's like the proper. So then you can just wash your hands. And then, uh, after you wash your hands, and then you're clean enough to appear for the gods. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to show how you call on the gods. Alright, let's go talk to the gods. So they usually, uh, after you clean your hands, then first, you have to know the gods that you hear, have to let them know. So that's what you have this. And you're saying, I'm here. Pay attention, and then you throw in some donations, kind of like you make an offering. So usually five or fifty yen, because they have two rounds. Like round is good symbol in Japan. It's like there's no beginning in it. So then you make an offering, no matter what. And then after you make your offering. Right, and then first you bow twice, and then you clap your hands twice, and then you bow, and then you ask for anything you want. You can ask for toys or whatever, <laughs> and then you come up again and you bow once more. Thank you. Seriously, my thanks go out to our friend Remco for walking us around Oshima and Harada and teaching us about some of the wonderful things that I would never have been able to translate. He's a real expert when it comes to both Japanese language and history. On day three, we did a little travelling in Harada. We found a wonderful beach that you'll learn about now. Even though I say it's day four, it was really day three. Jay's Japan Diaries day four, I think. Uh, we're in Harada. Uh, today we're at the... And it's fabulous. I will, I will post pictures, definitely. It's gorgeous out here. The water is completely clear. And one of the people that I'm with just said that the sand is very much like Caribbean sand. It's very fine. You can't build a sandcastle with it. What a beautiful day. That's the lovely sound of the ocean you can hear. Uh, one of the guys that we're with has just come for a swim. It is absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely. Any of you all ever go to Japan, don't go to Tokyo. Don't go to um, any of those big cities because they are tourist traps and it is essentially, if you've ever been to London, it's the same thing. Even the Piccadilly Circus, Oxford Circus, anywhere like that in London. It's the same thing except everyone speaks Japanese and there's kanji on all the all the signs. But this is this is real Japan. This is Japan hard mode. This is like uh, you know, having to having to speak the language to be here. 
because no one here speaks English, or very few people speak English here, so I'll have to put some pictures in the show notes, because um, I took some pictures of this. We went up this hill in Harado, and it's the high- highest point in the whole area. Not the highest point in Nagasaki, so Harado is in Nagasaki. Uh, Nagasaki is the name of the prefecture, and then within the prefecture of Nagasaki, she, Nagasaki prefecture, there is a city called Nagasaki. So it's kind of like New York, New York, you know? Anyway, it's the highest hill, tallest hill in um, in Harada. We climbed up that and had a look around and we could see for miles, nautical miles. I'm talking to the edge of the world, it looked like. You know, you could see to, to the end of the world. It was gorgeous. Gorgeous. Definitely. If anyone who was listening is ever thinking about where should I go in Japan, you want to be in Kyushu, mate. It's gorgeous. Kyushu is where it's at. Nagasaki, Hirado, Fukuoka. So a couple of days ago we were in Fukuoka. Uh, the previous recordings, I guess, would have been Canal City, except when we were on the boat from Hirado to Oshima. Tomorrow we're going to Nagasaki, and we're going to see if we can get a 1.7 meter tall ice cream. Don't know what that is in feet. What six foot? Six foot? No, that's not right. Uh, five foot and a bit. I don't know. Three feet to a meter. So yeah, something like I don't know. Five feet. Five feet tall ice cream between seven of us. We'll get through that, you know, because we're British. That's what we do. Anyway, um, yes, so that's day four. Uh, traveling to Nagasaki tomorrow. Going to spend a couple of days there. Then we're back to Fukuoka for two or three days. Apparently, we're going to go meet a person who uh, his family makes swords. Like, I'm going to say samurai swords, but that's not the right word. But yeah, wakazashis, katanas, that kind of thing. So... That'll be fun. Definitely check out the pictures in the show notes because this place is gorgeous. Hirado. Hirado. Definitely go to Hirado. We didn't end up finding the cafe which served the 1.7 meter tall ice creams, but only because they'd closed for renovations. More on that in a moment. But before that came the real day four, when we visited a museum and got dressed up in costumes which made us look like we were from some point between the Kamakura and Meiji periods of Japanese history. Uh, check the show notes for some links as to what they were. There goes the ferry. And there it goes again. <laughs> it literally says on the side of it, Oshima Ferry. Oshima meaning big island or island. And obviously ferry being ferry. Yeah, we just got back from Matsuda House, I guess. Uh, it's a big museum for the Matsuda family there. Um, and whilst we were standing there, anyone who knows anything about me knows that I'm crazy about Japanese history. Now, the whole place is full of historical relics that go back to the 1500s. There are some of the oldest surviving pieces of Japanese armor there, right? Um, so we were standing there. The guy that we were with were walking around and he was telling us all about all of the different relics. And he is amazing. He's brilliant at Japanese. He knows all about history. It's one of his favorite things to learn about. He walked up to this scroll and before he even started, I was like, whoa, this is cool. Because it was the scroll written by Tokugawa Ieyasu saying that the Matsura were allowed to be the daimyo, the lords of this area. Now, Tokugawa Ieyasu was the guy who unified Japan just after the Sengoku Jidai. The Sengoku Jidai is the period of time that the uh, Samurai Warriors games are set in, and it is one of my favourite pieces of Japanese history, all the way from the Kamakura period, which is around there, 
1100s all the way up to sort of the Meiji Restoration, which is like the 17, 1800s. All of that is fascinating to me. And we're standing there looking at this piece of paper, the only copy of this piece of paper actually signed by the man himself that said, you are allowed to rule this area. And then we walk around a corner and there is the only copy of the edict signed by Toyotomi Hideyoshi, who was vying to be shogun before Tokugawa Ieyasu took it, took the title. Sounds like a wrestling match, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, so Toyotomi Hideyoshi was uh, was vying for shogun. He took over after Oda, Oda Nobunaga was assassinated by one of his chief retainers, Mitsuhide Akechi. Um, check the show notes. I'll type all of these names out so you don't have to wonder about how you're going to Google them. Yeah, and whilst... Toyotomi Hideyoshi was kind of in charge. He didn't unify Japan, but he got pretty damn close. Um, there was talk of uh, outlawing Christianity in Japan because of all reasons. There's a lot of political stuff going on, and I'm not going to go into it because I'll upset somebody. But essentially, um, the Portuguese were using attempts at trading with Japan as a way of forcing the Japanese to be Christian. And whilst they were doing that, they were murdering people and being really horrible and committing all sorts of crimes. Anyway, Toyotomi Hideyoshi um, outlawed Christianity in Japan, and I have now seen that document. Doesn't sound like a lot, but for someone like me who has a extreme interest in Japanese history, it was incredibly exciting. We walk around the corner, and then there's the original full-size blinds that tell the story of the uh, Genji Monogatari, the tale of Genji, which is widely considered as the world's first great novel. Uh, it was written in the Kamakura period by Murasaki Shikibu. And apparently the main character, Genji, was based off of the first lord of uh, Hirado, who was the seventh son of the then emperor. And the reason that he was lord of Hirado, rather than the known as the emperor's son, is that when you had more than five children, the sixth and furthest children out there would have to then start their own family lines because it was too expensive to have every single child be, you know, officially the son or daughter of the emperor. So he started his own family line and went with the family name Matsura, M-A-T-S-U-R-A, and then was given a small fortune and sent away to Hirado to uh, go and start a family. And he was a bit of a playboy. So if he hadn't have done that, we wouldn't have had the tale of Genji without the tale of Genji and all of its copycat stories. We wouldn't have had uh, essentially no plays. Without no plays, we wouldn't have modern Japanese theater. Without any of that, we wouldn't have modern Japanese TV. Without any of that, we wouldn't have modern Japanese video games. And without any of that, you wouldn't be listening to this recording. Quite bleeding important. It was day six before I recorded anything further. Again, in the recording, I got the day wrong. By this point, we travelled to Nagasaki. We were staying at a place called the Royal Chester Hotel, which has an amazing exterior and lobby. This was also the day that I picked up a copy of Final Fantasy IX for PS1 for around 740 yen. Japan Diaries Day 5, I guess? I've kind of lost count now. Uh, second day in Nagasaki. I tweeted that I picked up Final Fantasy IX original packaging in mint condition with the plastic wrap on it for 740 yen. But yes, so we've been all over the all, all over the place, or rather in several places in Nagasaki today. Uh, Nagasaki is a bit like London. You get on the tram and you ride it. There are 30 
234 stops. Um, you pay 130 yen if you're an adult to get on, and you can ride it as many stops as you want. And then you get when you get off, that's when you pay 70 yen if you're a child. And that's pretty cool. But then we got a daily pass, which is 500 yen. Essentially, we can jump on and off the tram as many times as we want uh, for the whole day, which is fantastic. We went to a huge department store called You Me literally y-o-u space m-e um and that was pretty cool they had a dvd shop there and a cd shop there and a massive food i want to say food court but it isn't really a court because you don't really eat the food there there's a supermarket there and a couple of like a mcdonald's and a kfc and a bunch of um small uh, nagasaki own uh, sort of food places uh you buy the food you go somewhere else and eat it which is pretty cool we ordered Chinese food in English from Japanese people. So that's Chinese food in English from Japanese people. So work that one out. Um, we climbed Inasayama, which is the same height as Tokyo Tower, which I will look up in a moment whilst I'm, whilst I'm recording this. Um, but yeah, we climbed that. The height of it is 330 meters or 1,093 feet. Uh, right up at the top, at the very, very top, um, you go into an observatory. At the very top of the observatory, you are essentially the same height as Tokyo Tower, which is a little bit more than that. And what's cool about Inasayama is at the very, very top, um, the night view, which we didn't go back to view today, because it's quite late, um, but the night view has been designated one of the top three night views in the world. So it's not Inasa. Uh, Monaco and Hong Kong. So if you're ever in any of those cities, if you're in Nagasaki, go Mantinessa. But if you're in Hong Kong or Monaco, go somewhere high and look down on the city and it is gorgeous. Whilst we were in Nagasaki earlier on in the day, we went to Azu Plaza, A Amu Plaza, AMU Plaza. We didn't get to have breakfast at the hotel, so we went up there. Go into Amu Plaza, go up to the fifth floor. As soon as you get off the escalator, go into the restaurant directly across from where you get off the escalator. Literally, get off the escalator, walk forward 10 feet, and go in that restaurant. I can't remember the top of my head what it's called, uh, but we went in there for breakfast, and hopefully you can hear the bunny quotes there, because we didn't have breakfast at the hotel. There's a reason for that. I'm not going to go into it. So we each paid about £7.50. As of recording, that's the, the exchange rate. So we each paid about £7.50. Um, and we got... I got carbonara. A couple of people got pizzas. And some other people got other ricey pasta dishes. We got the main dish and a salad that is unlimited refills and a soup. Unlimited refills and a drink. Unlimited refills for £7.50. Ain't nowhere in the UK can beat that. That is a wonderful lunch deal. Go all the way up there, go there. And what you'll find is you'll sit in the, it's somewhere in that restaurant and look out over the Peace Park, which is just wonderful. It's a beautiful view. Uh, we also went down to the port to have a look at the boats. That was pretty nice. Uh, unfortunately, the Olympic Cafe, which is where we wanted to go for uh, ice cream, didn't seem to be open. But yes, so that's that. Um, in the next 24 hours, we're going to be going to the Peace Park. And then we're potentially going to go to... Um, there's a museum for the 26 Martyrs of Nagasaki. Maybe we'll go to that one. And then we will probably maybe head up to Inasayama and take some night photography if we remember to go. Because it gets really dark really quick where we are. Because it's on the coast. It tends to get dark at about 7pm. 
which for the folks listening as we release this doesn't sound very late because you know we're just coming out of winter but it really is around here it feels like summer but to the locals it is early spring (laughs) for instance i'm walking around in a light t-shirt and a pair of shorts and it's 11 degrees c and there's japanese people walking around in big winter coats Um, essentially we've got one more day here then a few days in fukuoka and then we fly On day 7, I didn't end up going to the Peace Park or the Museum for the 27 Martyrs of Nagasaki, but I did end up going to a few very small temples off the beaten track in Nagasaki. So I spent the afternoon looking in temples. Sofukuji and Kofukuji temples. Uh, I'll put the names in the show notes, but essentially they are Zen Buddhist temples created by the uh, Chinese people who moved to Nagasaki. 300 years ago and um, it's been wonderfully serene wonderfully serene I'll, I'll write about them when in the show notes essentially uh, this is me being geeking out about Japanese history uh, I'm just off to a place that is colloquially known as Spectacles Bridge and Meganebashi uh, essentially because it looks like spectacles so So there we go. So I'm going to check that out. I'll check the show notes for some pictures. There are loads of people here just checking it out. So Nagasaki is huge, but getting around it is pretty easy because of the public transport system. They have a bunch of trams which go between the city's most popular areas. But the interesting part of taking the tram is that you pay when you get off the tram rather than when you get on. Each of the stops are called out in English, Korean and Japanese, which is quite useful. Also, the drivers make a point of announcing the stations and where you can go from each one of them shortly before arriving at them. I did capture 8 minutes of audio during my journey back from Spectacles Bridge to Amu Plaza where I was meeting everyone else, but I've left it out of the episode because I didn't think it was that interesting or even exciting to listen to. The last recording I made was on our penultimate day in Japan, which was back in Fukuoka. It was recorded super late at night from my hotel room which looked out over Canal City's canal. Penultimate day in Japan. Today was one of the, I think one of the most interesting days that we've had over here so far. We met up with an old friend. And he took us to see his uncle, who creates katanas using traditional techniques. So he had a furnace that hit 1,600 degrees. We weren't allowed to take any pictures or video or anything like that because his family have been creating these katanas in the same way since the Kamakura period, which is kind of 10th century onwards. So it was amazing to see how it's all been done. Then that same friend took us to see his other uncle. Now his other uncle... He used to run his own dojo. He now teaches at a dojo. He was taught Gokan Ryu Karate by the son of the guy who created it. Was it the grandson of the guy who created it? Excuse me. We got a free lesson from him. A couple hours where, you know, some of us were running around and doing the katas. And then they got out the katanas and the hakamas and they got us dressed up. And we got a free two-hour lesson on how to draw an attack with these katanas, which was just amazing stuff. I also got to hold a full-size Naginata. And then, uh, because I was conversing with them in Japanese, I then got taught some of these holds and restraints and throws and stuff that you don't get taught till you're really high up. That was amazing. Then we came back here to Canal City. Now, those of you who have been listening to the file since it started, this is where we first arrived, this is Fukuoka. 
And it's just amazing here. I've got the video footage. We walked in on the final performance of the day of Space Invaders Invade Canal City. And that was amazing to watch. It's an interactive. It's hard to describe because unless you've been to Canal City, you don't know what I mean. They've got an entire wall and a whole water feature that is part of the performance. There's someone sitting at the front, standing at the front, who's goading the audience. Hey, do this, do this, do this. And you have to clap along to the music and wave along to the music. And all the way down the building, and I mean all the way down the building, as far as you can see up the building, there are space invaders. And you have to clap and dance to essentially shoot them. And it's all set to music, and it's absolutely amazing. It's a shame it's only going to be here for the next couple of weeks. Because if you're not coming out to Fukuoka when this goes out, you're going to miss it. But it's for the 40th anniversary of um, Space Invaders. Just think about that for a second. Space Invaders, 40 years. I was saying this to someone over dinner. I was saying, Space Invaders was top of the line. State of the art 40 years ago. And now we've got the likes of Resident Evil 2, which, let's be honest, it's lifelike. It's mad how far we've come in 40 years. Plan for tomorrow for our final full day here is um, we go out to see a shrine with a uh, massive bronze Buddha laying on his side. I'm going to come back here to Canal City and just walk around the shops. I haven't had a chance to go to the arcade here yet. I did go to one in um, in Nagasaki 24 hours ago, and I snapped a shot of the arcade version of Dissidia Final Fantasy. And I send that to Lulu. Hopefully she'll have got it by the time this goes out. Um, they had a small arcade in Nagasaki that I know of. They had a couple of initial Ds, a Final Fantasy Dissidia, Dissidia Final Fantasy, a really cool mech game that you were to get into, and um, joysticks on either hand, foot pedals, a joystick in front of you, and a whole bunch of buttons around those joystick controllers, and the whole cab shook as you moved it. It looked immense. Didn't play that one, though. Maybe I should have. There was one that looked a bit like... You know the Total War games that looked exactly like that, except it had this touch interface? It's weird to explain. There were no controllers to play it with. A lot of the games over here I found, the arcade ones are arcade-specific. You cannot port them to own computers because it can't be done. This one had a really cool user interface. There were no controllers as such. There was a touch screen. So you have the touch screen at the back that you're watching and a flat touch screen in front of you, almost like a desk. And you had to control your troops from that. So you would you would literally draw a circle around the troops you want to move. And then, you know, like in um, Command and Conquer and Age of Empires, you would draw a square around them with the mouse and then click somewhere to move them. We well, do that, except you draw a circle around the troops and then you press your hand on it and move your hand along the screen to tell them to where to move to. It's amazing. And then you could like full gesture control like you can on a, a modern touchpad. Absolutely amazing. So those are my Japan diaries. Hopefully this was an entertaining and enlightening diversion from the standard episodes that we usually put out. The next episode we're planning to put out is one that we recorded before I even went to Japan, because time travel via podcasts is fun, right? It'll be interesting to hear what we talked about and whether any of it is even relevant to the vacation I took. Make sure you click through to the show notes for a bunch of photos from my vacation and some links to some of the places and events that I talked about. If you liked today's episode, consider giving us a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice, or even clicking through to our Ko-Fi page and helping us with our hosting costs. We're asking for one-off payments of around $3 to help cover a month of hosting, but I completely understand if you can't or just plain don't want to help us out. I'd say see you later, Squidgy, but he's not in the recording booth with me today, so I'll just say see you later, everyone. Oh,
Intro music is Behind the Lines by Ian Sutherland. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by GK. Spider Break music is Spectrum Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. See the show notes for more details.